Good evening, good afternoon, good morning, good night. Whenever you are listening to our show, greetings. Hey everybody, this is RJ, and thank you once again for tuning in to our podcast, Realms and Nerds. First off, I'd like to extend a thank you to our guest for this episode. Brandon's friend Hayden was hanging out with us the night we recorded, so we ended up giving him a character sheet, and he ends up playing a side character in this episode. Uh, You'll find out about that in the latter half of this episode. Next, I'd like to remind you that I am in the process of putting our episodes onto YouTube, so if you have any friends or family or, hell, even enemies that you think might like the show but they don't know or don't want to get a podcast app but have access to YouTube, we have most of our episodes up and we'll have all of them up soon. Uh, It's just another avenue for you to share the show or listen to it yourself if that's your preferred method of listening. Uh, Be sure to leave us a rating or review on your podcast provider, or if you listen through YouTube, leave us a like. We'd really appreciate it. You can find us on social media on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, and Instagram. Don't forget that if you make a post about our podcast on social media to include the hashtag RealmsNerds, it's all one word, RealmsNerds, it's another great way to spread the word about our show. Thank you once again to our friend Kyle for composing our main introductory theme. We can't thank you enough. Thank you. We appreciate you for listening. Every single one of you, we can't thank you enough. Now I've gone on and jibber-jabbered enough. I think it's about time that we head into the realm of the return of Ornon. Previously, on Realms and Nerds, The Return of Ornon. Joan Red's son became a smith and fashioned himself a six-shooter. The town was invaded by a gang of outlaws led by the ruthless slave Blackhorn. The gang robbed, killed, and generally just took over the town. Joan banded together with his close friend, Rex Greenrut, and together they undermined the gang and their ploys. Rex ended up meeting with and making a deal to work for Slade. Rex broke into Joan's home, killed Abigail and William, and burned the house down. He saw Slade congratulating Rex and, with a tear, aimed and fired two bullets. So the Fists consider themselves to be a frontier justice group, but that justice is in a hard quotations. So what they would call justice, most people would call being strong-armed thugs. They do more or less believe in what they're doing. You see a ball of water that is floating in the air. The ball of water slams towards the ground, making a small puddle area about 20 feet across. After a little bit of examination, you determine that this puddle is a portal. The four of you jump into this puddle. You immediately sink completely into a body of water. But eventually, the four of you are able to struggle your way to a surface area. You look around, you look for a way out. Ramash notices in the lake, almost beyond sight, but near the bottom, he can see this picture that distinctly looks like a three-story ruined building. Seeing no other options, you dive towards this picture that you see. As your lungs feel like they're about to burst, you finally hit where this picture appears to be and burst through and you are again back in the world that you know. The puddle begins to bubble and as it does so, it grows exponentially and adventurers it is time to run
as you are running from this water, where initially in the center there was this really sort of rupturous kind of boiling and almost like a steaming look that was coming out of the center, as the water has continued to advance, it's kind of flattened out a little bit, and the best way that I can liken it is like a very quickly oncoming tide. It's almost like like somebody took the normal ocean cycle and dialed it up by like 200%. Surf's up. <laughs> so it's just this water that is not, I mean, somewhat choppy because it's moving quickly, but it's just this steady moving water. So you guys go on like this, and it expands for quite a ways, about a quarter of a mile, until it suddenly seems to slow down a little bit. And then the water kind of flattens out and almost turns into this stillness. And then suddenly there is a bright flash. The entire surface of the water has one instantaneous flash, almost like a bolt of lightning. And then the water begins to bubble again. The bubbles, however, are not not a bubble of boiling, but rather air bubbles as something is advancing on the surface. Dirty bubble. <laughs> and then suddenly, as the uh, as the bubbles come closer to you, all of a sudden you start to see some sort of plated armor-looking creatures coming up. They have claws that sort of resemble a lobster's, but with much sharper and more pronounced spikes in them. The head is completely eyeless, and the mouth has tentacles extending from it. And then as the body emerges, you see something that resembles a very misshapen, almost dog-like look. We're talking about Cthulhu Sizer. <laughs> Sounds about right. Yes, they have these four legs. Uh, so if you count, if you count the the claws in total, they have six different appendages, and they walk somewhat upright. Obviously, supporting themselves on the four legs underneath with the claws held out in front. First, there's two of them, and then seven or eight, and then before you know it, the water is just full of these creatures that are advancing upon you. Fearing that this is almost an impossible fight, you begin to backpedal, and then suddenly the first one reaches the shoreline and begins to climb on dry land. And they just advance upon you, and there's just this loud sort of clacking, clittering kind of noise as they scuttle along the rock. And as you kind of are backing up to find a better position, suddenly you find yourselves with your backs against a wall, and as you turn to run to the right to try and get around this wall, you realize that they have encircled you and are sitting everywhere on all three sides of you with this rock face to your back. Do any of you know Mossy? (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so they come to a halt, encircling you with about a ten-foot radius of space between you and them, And the one in the front lets out sort of a roaring hiss. Almost imagine if a bear and a snake were combined together with with that, with just a loud decibel noise. It's just this awful sound. You okay there, (laughs) Sibo? Ramash roars back in response defiantly. And as you ready yourselves for, for this fight, Fearing that this may be the end, suddenly, from farther up the wall, above you, an object comes flying off 
and lands near the front of these creatures and explodes into a fiery blaze. And they kind of recoil back at the sight of this flame and more of these bombs begin to drop all around, forcing them back and creating more of a perimeter for you. And you hear a, a voice from the top of the wall yell, Need a hand? And this rope comes dropping down to you. You guys grab onto this rope and pull yourselves up. It's about a 30-foot climb. And uh, you get to the top and several strong hands pull you up. And uh, it's fairly dark up here, obviously. But on top of that, all these men are wearing bandanas over their face. So you can't really identify them. And uh, the man that yelled down to you before goes... All right, y'all, we better get out of here. This is uh, looking like something we can't deal with. They kind of grab you and hustle you down sort of this broken staircase that's on the back side of the rocks. And uh, as you are beginning to run, you see that these creatures have been just completely enraged by these firebombs coming at them. And they're running all over the place trying to get at you. And so as you're running, more of these men come running up and they're wearing strange contraptions. Um, this almost sort of armored backpack with a hose attached to it. And you realize as they run up that these are something akin to a flamethrower, and they actually begin using this to push back the advancing creatures as you retreat. And uh, after a little ways of sort of backing up and pushing these guys back, you sort of reach an area where these creatures have fallen back and are not advancing, and you're now in sort of a still, the still nighttime air. So they get... A little ways away, and then past that you uh, come upon what you can only assume is these men's campsite. There's a low-burning fire that they quickly sort of stoke and get back to a full flame. There's a, They don't really have any tents, but there's a couple of bedrolls that are laid around some cooking utensils. Just kind of a halfway-made camp that you would expect from people that are not really putting down any permanent roots here. They're just kind of on their way through. And so... The man that uh, rescued you addresses you and says, Well now, how did you come to be in such a dire predicament there? Well, we went down into a puddle, met some eel folk, uh, swam back through, and next thing you know, we got crabs. <laughs> Very elegant. <laughs> Very elegant. Yeah, um... That sounds more so like what, what, what my friend here is trying to say is that, um... We completely fucked up, and we caused this entire mess. Um, sorry, please don't get angry at us, uh, but if you need our assistance and take care of this issue, uh, we're definitely going to stick around. For the record, we didn't start any mess. We just happened to come through the portal, and then it chased us. Well, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of evil, strange magic down there in the center of the city. It's best not to mess in those parts. Uh, tell me, what were you doing down there? Well... We're not exactly at liberty to say. All right, well, I suppose it's uh, a good thing that I came upon you when I did. Now, tell me, you got y'all come from round here? In a manner of speaking, I do. It, what, do you, what do you mean, in a manner of speaking? I mean, I'm initially from around these parts, but I don't really got a place I call home no more. I am from a temple far to the south. I hail from the north, in the mountains. Yeah, uh, I've lived in a forest my entire life, just kind of... Here and there. Well, what a very interesting group you've assembled here, Joan Redson. 
And with that, everyone except for Joan has a black bag pulled over their head. And Joan, you actually get a little bit worse. Uh, somebody hit you with something heavy <gasps> on the back of your head that drops you to your knees, and a then you and then you are also bagged. The man goes, "No need to struggle, Mister. We have you outnumbered by quite a few numbers." Uh, well, this is quite a fight. I don't know about you other three. Uh, we'll have to sort you out once we get back into town. But uh, I suppose I should make the official proclamation here. Joan Redson, you are under arrest for the murder of over 100 members of the Law Enforcement Order of the Fist. That law enforcement ain't no law enforcement, you damn know it. We're the only law in these parts, and you made it your personal mission to go out and execute members of our law enforcement agency. Now that's a hanging offense. And I ought to do it right here, but uh, I have to be straight with you. In the event that we ever were to catch you, Jack said he'd like a word before we hung you from the tree. So, good night! And then with that, you get a sharp blow to the side of the head and you are unconscious. I'm just mumbling a prayer to Muhammad. Yeah, the other three of you are not quite so roughly handled. You get tied up and, uh, you know, your, your hands are bound and you still got these bags on your heads for the time being. And uh, so this, uh, this guy says to the other three of you, Well, now I suppose I ought to introduce myself since uh, clearly y'all aren't from around these parts. My name is Jackson. I'm uh, one of the sheriffs of these parts. This man with you, when, like I said, we'll have to sort out exactly what your role is. This man with you is a wanted criminal. He's been killing law enforcement officers in these parts for years. So, uh, you know, we don't need to handle y'all too harshly. Just stay, keep your head down, don't try to run away, nothing like that. And, uh, you know, as long as we can verify your identities and make sure you're not wanted by anybody else, we, uh, we can set you free. Easy peasy. Whilst amongst my companionship, I have never witnessed this man commit a murder. Only amongst monsters that have attacked us. I was merely hired for a job. I don't owe him anything. Well, like I said, that may be the case. I, you know, I have no idea what he's been doing in the uh, intermittent years since the last time we saw him. However, uh, he is uh, wanted by our uh, law enforcement organization for many, many murders. So, like I said, just... Uh, you know, just play along, play nice, and we'll get y'all going uh, right quick. I do understand that a member of your fist has indeed murdered this man's wife and child. His method of dealing with loss, however drastic, has been one of vengeance. That is the only allegiance that I know. I am sworn to vengeance myself. Well, like I, like I said, I've been tasked with bringing this man in. I'm just a man of the law, and so I'm going to bring this man in. As far as yourselves, as I said before, as long as we can verify that somebody can vouch that y'all aren't criminals, we can let you go. But, you know, there's uh, there's the matter of this man. So anyways, you know, we'll uh, we'll straighten this out when we get into town. Uh, Mr. Jackson, uh, I was just wondering, uh, what is your law organization based out of? Well, we, uh... We're, I mean, we're based out of a lot of different places. I, myself, am from the town of Reach. That's my sort of area. But, uh, you know, we're kind of all over this wasteland area. Just kind of, you know, we keep the peace over here. Oh, well, you see, um, we come from Beacon, uh, you know, the Golden City over on the shoreline over there, you know. And we're kind of on a, a, a dire mission here. Me and my companions, uh, 
So if you could let us go, we really need to get back to, uh, we're kind of trying to stop, like, our entire world from being destroyed. Well, you know, like I said, uh, we don't really have a whole lot of love for the city of Beacon around here. We, we understand that they're sort of the keepers of the peace down there in those southern regions, but if, you know, just between you and me, they're kind of a little too overreaching, if you know what I mean. They got their fancy gold city, but I think they don't really understand what goes on beyond their walls as much as they think they do. But anyways, like I said, I'm just a simple man of the law here. We're gonna get you back to reach, and, uh, just so happens that, uh, Jack actually happens to be in town, so we'll get him in there. You guys can talk to him as long as he, uh, as long as he thinks you guys are good to go, I think we can move you on along your way. And so, with that, they kind of break camp. They get everything pulled together, and at this point, the sun is starting to come over the horizon. After getting the sense that, that you know, you guys are not sort of actively going to be fighting against him at this point, uh, and after they've obviously taken your weapons away from you, they do take the bags off of your head so that you can walk. Uh, Joan, at this point, is still unconscious, so they, from a different kind of area, produce a um, pack of horses that they had over there. And so they sling Joan over the back of one of them, and they kind of uh, kind of divvy it up. They have some members of their team that ride horses. Some of the horses are used for transport, and uh, about half of them are just walking. You guys were obviously still in the city at this point. Um, I was actually wondering, uh, you said that they took all our weapons, but did they happen to find Sibo's thief's tools, which are conveniently tucked away in a quite un- Findable region of his body. Got him in your prison wall? Yeah. <laughs> I bet he does. Is that a yes? No. <laughs> the urethra, then. Ah, 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 ah. <laughs> Whatever. Why don't you um, do a... Sleight of hand check? That's not really sleight of hand. About, can you do like... Deception. Uh, Investigation. <laughs> I'm going to say deception. Okay. Yeah, deception I think works. Twelve. I think that they kind of come close. I'm going to say that they find um, one of your daggers that you had stashed away that you were hoping they wouldn't notice, so they pull that off of you, but they do leave the thief's tools. They don't find those ones. Fantastic. Then Sibo would like to start lowering uh, one of his files into his hand to slowly loosen his bonds. Not necessarily break them, but just to loosen them. And then after that, just kind of slides it back up his sleeve. Okay. Yeah, I, will, I guess I won't make you roll for that. That's, I mean, they're on the trail. You're all walking. Nobody's, like, watching your hands specifically. So I think you can do that without too much trouble since you're proficient in those kind of tools and stuff. I'm guessing we're surrounded by these guys. Yeah, I mean, they've got you kind of in the center. And I, mean, I should mention that uh, aside from Joan, who they are treating as a criminal... The rest of you, they're being more or less nice to. I mean, they're, you know, when they stop for lunch, they give you some food, they're giving you plenty of water, bathroom Asking breaks. Us what our workout plans are. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are pretty beefy. I'm just a level one. Uh, I get, so I should say, like, they're not mistreating you in any way. This is just kind of, uh, you know, they're walking, you are technically prisoners, but they're not mistreating you. So we'll say around a uh, little bit after lunchtime, Joan actually if regains the, consciousness. If one of the guys asks me, so what's your workout plan? I hunt rabbits in the nude. <laughs> so Joan, uh, Joan regains consciousness and... Uh, oh, listen here, you sons of bitches. I'm 
circles. Oh, probably. He falls asleep after that. Probably has a massive headache. Yeah, 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 and he just kind of lays slump. So they've still got him on the horse, and he's like kind of slumped over. He's just slipping in and out. As you're traveling, you get out of the city, I guess the the ruined city, the Garden of Stone. From that point, um, it's about a day and a half, probably closer to two days of marching, just because they've got you guys, and so they're going a little bit slower than they normally would. Would you say we get a long rest out of this, like at night or something? I mean, you are stopping and sleeping, so I guess at some point you probably got a long rest out of this. Just for the sake of HP and spell slots and shit. And then eventually you make it to the city of Reach. So Reach is set right near the river. On the so the river is kind of on the far uh, eastern side of the wastelands. If you remember, it's actually been a long time since we referenced the map in any reasonable oh, yeah. sort of way. But basically, the eastern wastelands kind of <coughs> stops where the river is. Reach is near the river, as much like uh, a lot of other towns that are built in sort of arid climates, they've been using the river. Reach is actually so named because it was the first city that was built in the wastelands in sort of the modern era. So as people sort of kind of went out into this area, this was the first town that they expanded into, and so they called it Reach because this was, you know, kind of their reach into an unexplored area. So, Reach is... Scummy. (laughs) Reach is actually kind of a little scummy. I mean, the main strip, kind of the oldest part of town, is a hotel, a gambling establishment... Three saloons and a brothel. Yeah. So that that was the that was the kind of original downtown strip. And so, but then over time, it's expanded. It's it's a fairly now two brothels. <laughs> oh my God, they are it's high a, up. It's a fairly decent sized sort of city now. It's not really a large city, but Reach is definitely the biggest city in this wastelands area. And so you are led down kind of in through town and somewhere just sort of a little bit off of the main strip area, there is the sheriff's station. And so it's just this large brick building. Uh, it's two stories, not really super uh, noticeable. I mean, you know, there's nothing really particularly beautiful about it. It's just kind of an ugly brick building. But it bears the, the name Sheriff emblazoned in big black letters across the doorway. And uh, they lead you inside there and through a couple hallways into a holding cell. And uh, there they leave you. Your bonds are freed as they push you into the cell. And uh, as the door closes behind you, Jackson says, Well now, uh, just to forewarn you all, this prison has been magically reinforced, so I know several of you just by the look of you, I can tell that you're magic users, so just to forewarn you, if you try any sort of spells of any kind, you're going to get a pretty nasty surprise, so I would just uh, avoid that altogether. And, uh, you know, like I said to the three of y'all, just, you know, sit tight, don't try anything stupid, and uh, we'll get you out of here as soon as we can verify who you are. Joan, on the other hand, uh, I have a feeling you might not be leaving Reach outside of a bag, if you know what I'm saying. 
And with that, he uh, he leaves as well. Everyone except for Joan is in a cell together, and Joan is in a smaller cell across the hallway from yours. Okay, are they like? But they're just solid like solid wall cells, or no? They're like cells? the they're holding cells, so it's so like we the, can converse with them. the the old timey bars kind of look. The we're talking, metal we're bar. talking Andy this Griffith is, jail. Yes, yes. This, <laughs> is a, this is a Western civilization. This is a this is a Western jail. So it's the you know the metal bars. We're about to become Mayberry. <laughs> Everybody sure knows Andy name. Griffith walks in with Barney Fife, the. Uh, the deputy. Okay, let's convince Barney. <laughs> All right, guys, let's just grab the keys and leave. Right. Oh uh, yeah. So guys, um, are you guys ready to leave? How do you expect us to get out of here? Sibo holds up his bag of thief tools. Knock yourself out, bud. Sibo, I propose that it is much more advantageous that we wait for the opportune moment. We are in a magically reinforced cell. There is little there, I think, that would escape the attention of the guards, and who none of us. Are carrying weapons. Yeah. Um. I'm I sorry. Fire. He breathes fire. Have you not been trying to kill people with your bare hands? However, it's easier to kill somebody with a sword. Okay. I'm just saying we're in a dire situation here. We can't let Joan just die, can we? We don't have allies here. Even if any of y'all manage to escape, what y'all fail to understand is this is reach. The city looks like it's in shambles, but this is the most fortified city of the Fist. There's no way you're getting out of here without them letting you out. Don't be so dismal. I'm not being dismal, I'm being realistic. (laughs) There's a reason I've never been to Reach. Much as I despise the Fist, I knew that it was a fight I couldn't win. There's always a back door, friend. Look, I'm just saying I'm not okay with giving up or knocking out of here. You wouldn't. I don't care what. If you they run, a, back, the if they run a background check on any of us, will they not find dirt on us? I don't know about you three boy. I'd spent my entire time in a temple as a warrior monk. I've lived in the mountains, keeping evil from spreading. What have I done wrong? Perhaps okay, they okay, may fine, find a few fine. pockets that you It doesn't need. matter. As long as you've never gotten in the fist's hair, you're clean. All they care about is their business. Joan, you've gotten taller. And with that, uh, around around the corner comes a drow elf who stands at... He's very tall. He's actually just a little bit shorter than Joan in his current, say, he's about 6'7". He's very slender, dressed completely in black. He's got these black cowboy boots on. Everything's black. Boots, pants, shirt. He's wearing a black vest. He's got on a duster that reaches... Just almost to the floor. Okay, is he part of the SS? He's listening to My Chemical Western. Uh, and uh, very sharp, angular face, completely clean-shaven, wearing a uh, black cowboy hat as well, with a silver star on the front. And in the center of that silver star is emblazoned a black fist. Hey, Jack. Well, Joan, it's been a long time. Sure has. To be honest, after our last encounter, I was not sure if I'd see you again. I was hoping I wouldn't see you again, but you got away. Well, got away is a sort of crass way of looking at it, isn't it? I did drop a house on you. still feel it every time I stretch my shoulders. Well, you know, I do have to thank you since I'm here and we have this face-to-face interaction. You did give me a 
wonderful idea. And with that, he uh, pushes his duster back a little bit to expose that on each of his hips, he has a silver revolver. He actually cross-draws them and holds them up so Joan can see them and says, Beautiful, aren't they? It took us a couple years, but we figured out your trick. Flips them and puts them back in his holsters. Could use better craftsmanship, that's for sure. Well, what can I say? The best smith in the eastern wastelands was trying to kill me. I couldn't exactly uh, go to you for your tips. Well, it would appear that this is going to be the end of our relationship. I'd like to say it's been a pleasure, but the lengths that I've had to go to with you have been, uh, well, slightly vexing. So, uh, goodbye, I suppose. Jim just spits out of his cell onto the floor in front of Jake. Jack. <laughs> Jake. You don't even know your own nemesis name. Hey, uh, Mr. Jack. Yes. Uh, you seem like a, like a civilized gentleman, and, uh, I just feel like after killing my friend, uh, my friend Jones, he is family. Uh, at the very least, you uh, can at least, uh, I don't know, have a standoff with the man? Let him go down in glory? Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, my, oh, my. I see that Joan has been hard at work reporting his perverted sort of, how can I put this politely? The truth? His version of the events. In actuality, it was much simpler. My men rode into his town to restore order to a lawless city, and in an unfortunate moment, uh, his wife and child were injured in a shootout with some bandits. It was indeed very tragic, and we, we offered to help him, we offered to compensate him, we offered to make him one of our brotherhood, but he refused, he wouldn't listen to me, and so instead he rode into town one dark night and murdered. Fifteen of my men while they slept. So who set the house on fire? I distinctly remember you said you dropped a house on him. Oh, no, no, no. I did indeed drop a house on him, but that was an entirely different circumstance. It revolved around a, a small gnome and several uh, of my men. You know, there was all kinds of things. There was an alpaca involved, if I remember correctly. It was a whole story, really. I don't have time to get into it. Uh, really, quite a hoot. Uh, uh, you know, maybe the three of us will have a drink and I'll tell you about it. But, uh, no, that was an entirely different situation. Jack, you said you sent your men to restore order to a lawless town. What made it so lawless to you? Well, the lack of law, of course! There was no formal law enforcement. Criminals did as they pleased. It was just a complete mess. I, I had to go in and restore order. It was a, a danger to the entire area. It was a small town. There were no criminals till your men showed up. Oh, no, 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 no. None of my men are criminals. That's exactly what you and your men all are. You know it. I know it. Everyone south of the damn desert knows it. Well, if it wasn't for us, who would, uh, who would hold the peace? And for that matter, for everyone south of the desert, I have had several very productive meetings with the Guard of Beacon about our various law enforcement techniques. Sibo is, uh, is planning a small escape plan. He's not really liking how this is currently going. Good fucking luck. Um, he is gonna start 
by uh, casting Minor Illusion. You okay. To cast in Jackson's voice, he's going to have yelling down the hallway or like out of the room, calling Jack out of the room. So he casts it, and as he opens his mouth to speak, suddenly your throat feels like someone, basically like someone put a taser to it, and you just are pushed backwards and dropped to the floor, writhing in pain. And Jack uh, does a small little laugh and says, huh, I, I did have my associate warn you that no magic would be permitted here. Remember, friend, you are, you are not... Uh, on trial here, as far as I can tell, you, and he points at me, Kyle, have been a loyal servant of your god for your entire life. And uh, he points at Ramash, and he says, And you are unknown to me and my men, which means that you must have been living in a very secluded lifestyle. It doesn't get more secluded than my life. And he points at you, Sebo, and says, And you, I uh, hear from several of my men that you've cleaned out their pockets, however, a bit of... Sleight of hand trickery and card play is not uh, a punishable by death offense, so I believe in this particular instance we can forgive your shortcomings. So the three of you, after we sort of do the necessary processing, are free to go. Uh, Joan, however, is uh, a different story. As I said before, he stands accused of murdering quite a few of my men, I believe the tally is, and he pulls a notebook out of his breast pocket of his duster and consults it. He goes, 132 of the Fist's law enforcement officers. Now, that is unexcusable, and we must punish him. I'm very sorry. When do you intend to punish him? Well, you know, I... If I had it my way, I would like to do it today. However, there's uh, a few of... The men who lost quite a few friends to this man would like to see him hanged, and so I feel like it's only fair that we give them a day or two to ride into town so they can watch the execution themselves. I don't know about the rest of you, but being able to live sounds like a pretty good deal, so I'm going to take you up on it. Do, uh, do we get an invitation to this execution, or are we made to leave? Well, as you are uh, free citizens at that point, you may do as you please. However, uh, due to your uh, friendly nature with the accused, we will be holding on to your uh, weapons and armament until... Then I am far from a free citizen if I do not have my gear. My... Oh, no, 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 no. You, you misunderstand me. As soon as you are on your way out of town, you may pick it up from one of my deputies. We just uh, want to make sure that there is no misunderstanding. My guards, if they see you at the execution in full battle gear, might be a little uneasy. And you know how uneasy soldiers can uh, do things that they regret. Would they feel more at ease if I came in my porcupine loincloth? Well, I'm sure they would get a good laugh out of that. Um, <laughs> I can't, uh, I can't speak to anything outside of that. Noted. He turns to address Joan and he says, Well, Joan, again, until we meet again, goodbye. Uh, I will see you at the execution. And the three of you, he turns and says, Please, just 
stay put. We will have somebody here shortly to uh, remove you from the cell. Uh, at this point, like I said, you are not accused of any crimes. We just have to do the requisite paperwork and processing. You know, this town is a town of law and order, despite what you may have seen on your way in. So just, you know, let us go through our bureaucratic processes and we will have you out of here shortly. And with that, he turns on his heel and uh, with a clink of his silver spurs is gone. Well, guys, I see an opportunity. The only one we might have. That execution might be our only chance to save Joe. So as you guys have been sort of discussing back and forth what you're going to do about this execution, if you're going to, you know, just walk out right now and try to plan something, you're trying to halfway planning this idea to free Joan, suddenly you hear a voice from the next cell over. <coughs> guys, I have an easier and a faster way out. I know a guy, but you guys gotta help us rob the Reach Trust. We can get this over and done with. Get out of here faster if you help us. Yeah, alright. Uh, sounds like a plan. What about Joe? Is this gonna happen before or after we get all of us out of here? It can happen right now if you guys wanted to. Well, I have absolutely everything against the fist. And since the fists control everything in reach, I'm in. Oh boy! The little boy is gonna be a criminal! It's more like a Robin Hood thing. We're stealing from the evil, and I don't know what we're doing with it, but it's uh, <laughs> not gonna be in the hands of the fist. Yeah, alright. That's what Robin Hood does. He steals from Richie, he has no idea what to do with it. <laughs> The first thing that I need to do is get my gear. Yes, it's very stuff. important to me. Can you get us our weapons, our gear, everything? I can have that rearranged. Rearranged? Without any explanation to that, he turns to... There's a small barred window uh, in the middle of his cell, you know, up near the top. And he turns and he goes... And a raven flutters down and lands next to the window. He goes over to the raven and whispers something to it, and uh, it flies off. Then he just sort of turns around and leans with his arms crossed against the wall of the cell. So you're just like, he's just leaning there, and you're all looking at him, waiting for him to do something. He just kind of smiles at you. And suddenly, in his cell and both of the cells that you occupy, a portal opens up in the floor, and he says, Jump in. Jum jumps in. So does Evo. Ramash just shrugs and goes for it. I dip a toe. <laughs> Pretentious. Ooh, that's cold. Wow. <laughs> Brutus just looks at you and then he jumps into his portal. Swan dive. Swan dive. Do a swan dive into there. Portal closes before he can. <laughs> I go for the belly flop. <laughs> it's not that big of a portal. Apparently you're a big boy. He gets cut only off. only 5'11". We're talking about like manhole-sized portal. Then after I dip my toe in and it doesn't get bit off, I dip my head in. <laughs> okay. And then... So Ramos grabs your forward. face and pulls you in. So, and you are now standing in the armory room of the Reach uh, Sheriff's Jail. And all of your stuff is arrayed in there. And on top of that, uh, you are now joined by a new person. A uh, He's another uh, dwarf man who introduces himself as Roland. And he says, I'm Roland. Now, yee-haw and giddy up. Let's get out of here. You said, Joe, what was, how you, Roland? 
Roland, yeah. Okay. I'm gonna just Roland, like, Roland, Roland, draw hide. And and he and so then he says so then he says I found a workaround to get it past the magical enchantments of this place, but we've only got about. And he he looks at his wrist and then like almost like startles, realizing that he doesn't have a watch on his wrist, and he goes, "Dang, Nabbit." We got about 30 seconds left, so I'd giddy on and go. You ever heard of an inside voice, Roland? And with that, he uh, flings his arms wide, and a portal appears in the wall. And he goes, grab your shit and let's go! Ross just book- Joan grab delicately shit. grabs his gun, slowly puts it in his holster, then grabs the rest of his shit and gets in the portal. <laughs> okay. Joan gets left behind. She grabs all of Oh, he stuff. did that like, right away. <laughs> I strap up, and again, I dip my toe into the portal. <laughs> Once again, Ross reaches back and he grabs him. This time by the foot. <laughs> <laughs> Roland jumps through behind you, and you find yourself in the living room of a fairly unremarkable home. It's about what you'd expect. There's a couple of rocking chairs, a wooden table with some chairs, a fireplace, nothing. Is there anyone else occupying the room other than this party? No, everybody in there is just, uh... People we are is there a at? fire going in the fireplace? Yes. Ooh. Joan sits in the rocking chair. Ramash asks, <laughs> where are we? Well, this is one of my, one of my many homes. I live here when I'm planning a job, you know. I have a I have a couple other places out there in the in the wilderness, but this is sort of the home away from home. I'm not really much of a city boy myself. So we're um, so we're not in reach. So oh, we're in reach. We're we're right here in the middle of reach. Look, you can go on and look out the window. We're actually about uh oh I don't know about six seven blocks from the uh from the reach trust. So I uh I assume you're the one planning this uh here. Operation? Oh yeah, I'm the uh, I'm the finger, so to speak. I get people in and out with uh, just a snap. My and as he snaps, there's actually like a spark. Oh dang, dang, damn it! I can I can get people in and out with just a snap of my finger. Don't even worry about it. Is there a reason you portal us still inside Reach as opposed to a place to plan outside of Reach? We did agree to join on this. Or is and that- he and he he just looks at you and he is like stares at you and goes. Ain't y'all ever been involved in a heist before? We gotta be in the action. I'm looking at guard schedules. I'm looking at delivery wagons. I'm looking at when people come in and out. I'm looking for delivery wagons. Everything. Every single little thing's gotta be mapped out. Don't talk to me, Sonny. Ramon walks over to the window to take a peek outside. Is there, like, a limit to your portal creation? Is there a reason we're only still inside reach? Other than all of the reasons you just gave, Roland uh, waves his hand, and a portal appears underneath Joan's feet. And Joan, uh, Joan actually falls through and drops. And as he drops, he is now standing in one of the most northern reaches of the world. It is snowing and about five degrees below zero. So we're done. Well, we're done. Um, that explains and then, that. And then with about, and then after about five seconds, another portal appears be below his feet, and he drops back into the uh, same room you're all in. Okay. Satisfied yet? I can take you wherever I ding dang want to. So my only remaining question is, why haven't you already robbed the trust? Well. And he's actually silent for, for him, what it seems to be an uncharacteristically long amount of time. And he goes, well, ding dang it, I just gotta say it. Them magic boys up there in the trust don't put a dang good spell on the vault. And uh, 
it needs more of a uh, physical brute force kind of breaking in. Something I'm not so good with. So, uh, so that's as, where y'all come in. As all this was happening, Sibo pulled a piece of parchment out of his bag and starts writing in it in characters that the rest of the party do not understand with scribbles and lines and dots uh, and slides it across the table to Roland and he immediately notices that it's written in Thief's Cant. Um, the message just simply asks for all of his current resources that he has on the trust, you know, so that Seal can see them. Roland goes over to the mantle of the fireplace, kind of feels around underneath, and then flicks a, a hidden lever, and part of the mantle flips open, and you see an area with some parchment in it that he pulls out. Roland presents you with this map that he's drawn up of the area. All right, y'all listen up. Here's what we got going on. So, the outer walls of the building are 300 feet by 100 feet square. On the north side is a drawbridge that is the only door in. The entire facility sits on a rock outcropping 40 feet in the air. Once you are inside, there are guard towers at each of the four corners. Three guards to a tower with almost 365 degrees of vision all the way around. In addition, there is a contingent of 15 guards that patrol around the outer perimeter. Uh, they make one circuit about every five minutes. Once you reach the gate to get inside the room, we've got two guards by the door. And then a double secured door area and two more guards. After that, you gotta sneak past their barracks down the hallway and there's a few more guards down there at the end and then at that point you're home free. Just gotta crack the vault and get on out of there. So we're basically robbing the Tower of England. Great. What's the P there? Above the dollar signs. Well, they got, uh, one of their, uh, one of their big lieutenant knights, uh, Oh, I suppose you call me. He got guards that hear area down there at the end. I am not the best real of the mission of stealth. I am much more the charge forward and slay type. Perhaps we can uh, use you as a diversion? I tell you what, this mission goes to shit. You're going to be fighting all kinds of people. On top of what's in this uh, here trust, just outside the gate and... Down the base of the uh, rock outcropping that the building sits on, there's a garrison of about 50 of the FIST members. So uh, if you start too much of a ruckus and let anybody get out of there, you're going to have a whole mess of boys to deal with. So how do you intend for us to get in? Well, you know, like I said, I was still kind of in the planning stages, but Brutus tells me that we got to get this uh, kicking off so we can get out of town before they notice your boys are missing. I can transport y'all into the guard tower, at least. Roland, is it possible to transport out of the vault once you are inside? Well, I reckon I don't rightly right know. I, uh, I've never been able to get anybody inside a vault of this, uh, magical seal type before, so, uh, we, we're gonna have to see. I think worst case scenario, y'all are gonna have to try and make it at least outside of the building before I can get you, but we'll, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, Rowan, do you think you could, uh, teleport inside the inner wall? No, no, I think that, uh, that building's pretty well sealed. I think, uh, I think probably a guard tower is about the best I'll be able to do for you. Seems good enough to me. 
Sounds like we're going to kind of have to play it by ear, really. Yeah. I have to get to the vault, and someone should probably stay with me. I can stay with you. We could all hit a tower at the same time, so Ooh. it shuts out all at the same time, so then they're not going to notice. You know, like, none of the guards inside are going to notice it. That is a good point, but we'd all have to be able to get up a guard tower. No, we can teleport you inside of a guard tower if you want to. Okay, so... But at that point, then, the guards in that tower why don't we just, are going to know that you're coming. Why don't we just take out these two towers, then? Because I doubt that these are going to be able to have a clean sight line or really be able to tell what's going on in these two towers. This is 300 feet. Can we, like, know where this group of rotating guards are? Do we have those that timed out in any way? Like, do we, do we have any way of knowing? Yeah, you'd be able to figure out where they're at. You spend basically the rest of this day sort of planning out, going through all of these different uh, papers and sort of measurements that Roland has compiled. And so you've got down the timing of the guards and... You know, where where everybody has the best sight lines and the best ways to go through. And you formulated this plan on how you're going to begin this heist. And uh, as darkness is starting to fall, you ready up, get your gear ready, and uh, assemble in the main area of this house. And uh, Roland sort of get, you know, get you all grouped together uh, so we can teleport you all in one group and... Uh, Cracks his neck and sort of loosens up and goes, Well, adventurers, ready to steal some gold?